Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Welcome into the Autzen Audibles podcast. Matt Prem, Eric Scopel, Jared Mack on the show. Uh, first and foremost, I think this is the first time all of us have been on the show in July. It's July 26th when we're recording this. Um, pretty, pretty special moment there. Pretty special yeah. moment there. Um, but if you're listening to the pod, we're getting back into the regular scheduled format because football is right around the corner. And media day in the, for the Pac-12 in Los Angeles will be on Friday, July 30th or 29th, excuse me. Um, and then a couple of days after that, Oregon will open up their own fall camp. So for the next 10 or so days, we're going to be stringing together basically every single day a preview position podcast. There will be a, a one or a two day break because of the Pac-12 media day where We'll focus strictly on what we learned from there. All three of us will be at that as well. So uh, exciting times on the podcast as we gear up for the start of fall camp. And make sure to go to duckterritory.com because we're going to start rolling out our position previews uh, today um, and discussing each position group throughout the podcast and throughout the, the, the next couple of days into a week or so on the site. Uh, first up, guys, is probably the most talked about position in sports quarterback um obviously anthony brown is gone uh, we are going to see another quarterback battle for the second straight year at oregon or third straight year at oregon i should say and it's bo nix the auburn transfer who reunites with kenny dillingham oregon's offensive coordinator competing against the young guys uh ty thompson and, and jay butterfield exciting i think first off i just want to say i think august 5th first day of fall camp just to get that out there so everybody can put that on their calendar um i don't think oregon's announced that but that's what i've heard so get prepared we're gonna have a lot of coverage from fall camp it's one of my favorite times of the year um to the quarterback battle yeah i mean i think it doesn't feel like much has changed because it's off season so like i feel like we're saying a lot of stuff we we're saying in may about it which is to say that it feels like Bo Nix is in a good position. You know, hearing from a couple people during the offseason, I don't think anything massive has changed. Um, Ty Thompson had a really good performance at the Manning Passing Academy back in, I think, June. Um, I think you have always liked the athletic intangibles there. It's just a lot of the other parts that have been maybe slow to get to where you need it to be to be a full-time starting quarterback. And those are areas that Nix has obviously more experience, um, especially working with Kenny Dillingham. 
So no, I, I'm, I'm, I'm anticipating this is in a competition that, I mean, look, when we ended spring, one of the things I asked Dillingham was like, do you have a target date of when you want to announce a quarterback? And he did not have an answer for that question. I think he just said no. And that was the end of the press conference. And he walked away. And that was the last time we spoke to Kenny Dillingham on the record. And so like, I, we're going to go through ball and I bet we'll probably get in a, in some sort of idea of who's starting shortly before the game in Atlanta, but I don't anticipate that we're going to have much of any thing set in stone until then. And I'm sure this is going to be talked about as if it's a competition because it is a competition. Um, and we'll know when everybody else knows. Yeah. I'd be stunned if there was any type of uh, absolute with Kenny Dillingham and the staff in terms of who's starting where um, I think the entire time during during spring camp, they just kept saying, oh, if you're focusing on the first and second or third team, you're focusing on the wrong thing. So that's how I kind of expect this quarterback competition to go. Um, obviously, Bo Nix, Ty Thompson are, are seemingly one and two in that order. Um, you know, Jay Butterfield was uh, impressive during the spring game, impressive during spring camp, just from what we have been told. Um, Ty is still a work in progress, it seems like. Um, definitely has all the athletic intangibles, the physical traits, the arm strength, whatever you need. Um, certainly showed that off again in the Manning Passing Academy in June. Uh, I'll, I'll just be interested to see how much of an improvement he has made over the offseason, um, how much that Manning Passing Academy trip meant to him and how much um, he learned from that and see if that translates on, onto on-field success. But um, yeah, not a whole lot different from our last podcast at the end of spring camp in terms of the quarterback room. Um, we'll just it'll just be another good competition to watch. Ty's been spotted around the football facility quite a bit this summer. Um, obviously, I think that Manning Academy video of him throwing that seventy-yard flat-footed bomb is pretty impressive. Um, I, I, I don't think anyone here doubts his physical attributes. He, he has got the physical requirements to be a high level quarterback at this level. And I, my, and maybe just my leading into the next segment of the show here is just things I'm excited to see. And honestly, it's also kind of the biggest question I have mm -hmm. is, has he adjusted to the speed of the game? Has he kind of gotten himself comfortable in the position because it was evident last year when he did play a little bit. And then in the spring game, when you compared him to, to Bo Nix, he was just sped up a little bit internally and he was just a little erratic. He wasn't consistent. And that's where for, for me, my biggest question, most excited item for this position group is where is the growth been for him in that regard? Because if he makes leaps and bounds, this is an entirely different quarterback competition because I think he's the better athlete or he's got the the better, you know, physical attributes at the quarterback position than Bo Nix. I think Bo Nix is um, higher up on the depth chart, if you will, in, in my eyes, at least because of his experience, because of his able, you know, his ability to process things and, and, and move the football and play at a consistent level at a higher level than Ty Thompson. If, if Ty can can make some leaps there and with his consistency, this is going to be an entirely different battle than we saw in the spring. I think for me, I want to know how much has Jay progressed. I don't know if we've talked about it much so far, but yeah. I think we I think we all agreed that Butterfield 
at least was on even footing if maybe outperformed Ty in the spring game. Yeah. I think statistically that bears out. Um, Jay is somebody who probably needed, I know he's been here longer than Ty, but just from a physical perspective, he came in really skinny and Ty came in really well put together. What's another, you know, off season, you know, with a new training staff, what's what kind of, what have they focused on? How does his body look? I'm, that's a guy I'm really curious to see how much he's filled out. You think about, you know, I don't want to draw too many comparisons, but Justin Herbert was another guy who was about the same size, 6'6", came in kind of lean. After a couple of years, he really put it together. Now you look at Justin Herbert in the NFL, and he is the prototype body type. I don't know if Jay ever gets – I don't know if he has the frame to ever quite be that. But what's this offseason been like for him? Um, and, and, again, these two younger guys, obviously you feel like there's more run runway, I think. You know, you talk about floors versus ceilings. You know, it just be, just because of their lack of experience, just because they have more room to develop, you kind of feel like could one of these two guys take a big step and really can compete and challenge Bo? And I think the other part for me is that's kind of exciting is just seeing how they develop chemistry with these receivers. Like we have to remember, like basically none of these guys have really played much at Oregon. The receivers, Chris Hudson played quite a bit throughout the season, and then Troy Franklin and, and Dante Thornton played a lot at the end of the season when a bunch of players got hurt or transferred or decided not to play in bowl game. But, you know, the receivers in this team, who's developing the chemistry there, who's kind of put that in. And I think the other overarching thing that I guess, I, you know, is a question or something I'm excited about is, um, okay, let's, let's assume, and I, this is an assumption that Bo Nix is a starter. And I don't know, I don't know if that's fair. Maybe, maybe the thing that we could be most excited about is an outcome where it's not the case, but let's say that's the case that battle for number two feels really important. Um, yeah. mm -hmm. I, I know Bo has eligibility to return. I know it's possibly does. I also know when he came to Oregon, it sounded like the, you know, the instinct or the desire was to be one year and go. Um, this will be his fourth year of college football. I think he wants to see if he can play at the next level. That's totally understandable. A lot of guys go through that process, even if they have more eligibility remaining. I wouldn't close the door on him returning, but if Nick's has a really strong season, whoever is the backup, whoever positions themselves there gives himself an opportunity to maybe be the starter the following year in 23. And we know that the previous staff preferred Thompson over Jay, or at least by the end of the year, they were leaning that Thompson would have been the quarterback to enter in a bowl game. He was the quarterback who entered um, first against uh, Stony Brook in the second half of Brown had that shoulder injury. Um, but if this is a similar thing where the veteran guy is going to win the job, I guess I'm just kind of curious and excited to see what happens behind with those two young guys who I think we all think right now is on, are on pretty even footing. Does that change? Do we leave fall thinking, man, one of these guys is clearly number two, or maybe one of these guys is maybe going to be number one, or do we end up leaving fall sort of where we left it last year, where it feels a little bit more up in the air and, and it, it feels like throughout the year, we're going to have to kind of be monitoring, you know, who's working with the twos as opposed to the threes. Yeah. Eric, your last point about how, you know, who's going to be working with the twos and the threes or who's going to be a one and a two um, I think that was one of the, one of the things I was most excited about as well. Um, I think that's a fun thing to track in general, just from our point of view. Um, it's also an just it's interesting to see the development of kids or players and to see how how an offseason has shaped them physically and mentally and on the field wise. Um, and I think there's a lot of talent in this quarterback room. I don't think anybody's denying that. Um, yeah, this could be a case where if it's a clear one, two, three hierarchy and doesn't matter who, who it is, one, two, or three, um, that third person could be looking for, for a way out because yep. that's a it's, it's a difficult quarterback room to get 
as a number one. Um, and if you do, you're pretty good, especially this, you know, second year for Ty, third year for Jay, Nick's into his fourth year, like Eric mentioned before. You know, that's a hard quarterback room to beat out anybody in. And for someone who's the third option in that room, they could easily make their way to a different university or program and potentially become a number one. Um, you know, in a hypothetical world, if, if Ty Thompson is that number three guy and he chooses to go look elsewhere, there will be plenty of suitors to look after him and try to take him. Um, so I think that's an exciting storyline to kind of watch. Um, maybe not from a, a Duck fan perspective, because um, uh, losing out on a talented quarterback wouldn't be great. But don't worry, help is on the way in 2023 with five-star Dante Moore. So it, that could happen, could not. I, that's just an interesting storyline from my perspective. Um, the other one is just how how have the quarterbacks learned this new offense? Because it was really exciting to watch that spring game. There were a lot of downfield plays, a lot of interesting plays, um, new, new types of sets, no more pistols, just all-out shotgun, uh, potential five-wide scenarios. It was really different than what we have been watching for the last couple of years under Mark Cristobal and Joe Moorhead and the fighting uh, Marcus Arroyos down at UNLV. Um, it's, so I'm, I'm really intrigued to see how well they have learned the offense uh, over, the, over the spring, over the winter, and, and including that, um, how the freshmen have – or how, how Ty and how Jay have progressed in that way and Nick's – I wonder if that his experience at Auburn has helped him in that process as well, if he's had to learn not as much as the other guys. Um, I think it'll be an interesting process to watch, but just excited for some more some more football going forward. All right, let's wrap this up with this, I don't know, question or statement, hot take, what have you. I, I was thinking about this yesterday when we were – I was getting ready to, to talk about the pod. Um, but – Last year, I felt like the quarterback position didn't need to be elite for Oregon to win because they had two really good running backs coming into the season and Verdell and Die. And then obviously when, when Verdell went down, Die had a tremendous run picking up the slack there. They had experienced receivers. They had Jalen Red, they had Johnny Johnson, Devin Williams. You know, going into the year, Micah Pittman was going to be in that group mixed in with a bunch of young guys that were, that were going to play. And then at tight end, you know, they had options. They had returners. Everybody was back. None of the freshmen needed to play unless they were ready to, unless they had, you know, unless they forced their way in. And this year I look at it and say, all new receivers. I understand that, you know, Chris Hudson played a little bit last year. I understand that they looked good in the spring game, but all new receivers basically – You've got an ent an entirely different running back room. Four years of experience is gone now. Verdell and Die off to the NFL or USC, and the quarterback position has to be able to kind of mend all the new guys together. And that guy has to play at a high level because there's there's not a lot of experience around him to kind of make up for the lack of experience or the lack of elite play at at, at QB. I think whoever wins the job, if Oregon's going to have a good year, they need to have a by, by far better season than what they had at quarterback last year. I think in general you need improvement at quarterbacks. Anthony yeah. Brown was 
It's actually kind of funny though, because I was putting together the the all time quarterback. This is a slight tangent, but it'll come back. Uh, leaderboard, and you could make an argument statistically, and it's so funny because I think anybody who watched the team would disagree. But like Anthony Brown statistically had like one of the five or six best seasons yeah. in history. If you just look at the numbers based upon completion percentage, yards thrown for, yards run, um, rushing touchdowns, didn't have a lot of passing touchdowns. But I think we all felt watching this team play that he he wasn't as good as some of the other guys that have come through here and that he was kind of limited or at least the offense limited what he could do. And I think people would probably say that the losses they had, at least the Stanford lost, and I think we would agree with this because we, we put it on him. He did not play well in that game, played very poorly. Uh, the Utah losses did not play very well. I think they probably still would have lost even with his best effort, though, because they just got steamrolled in both those games. Yeah, and it, the, defense close. <laughs> the defense didn't do any help. And the Oklahoma game, in the bowl game, he actually played really well, and they still lost. So um, maybe maybe there's probably some point to that, Matt, um, in terms of, like, yeah, maybe, maybe they do need to win games. They, you know, there needs to be a little higher seeing that quarterback. But I think that's, like, definitely the case, um, in part not because of just Anthony Brown's play, but also because, like you said, I do think you are built, you know, you are dealing with a lot of newness. Um, it's good to have continuity on the offensive line. I think there's a lot of talent at running back and receiver. You could probably convince me, and we're going to talk about the other position groups in a little bit here. You could probably convince me that running back and receiver have higher ceilings or at least close to as high of ceilings. Um, but as you said, Matt, uh, none of these guys have really played together. It's a new scheme and a new system. I think maybe the one thing that I would point to apart from just the actual um, on-field competency is a leadership thing where – because of all the newness, because he, whoever the quarterback is, if we, if we think it's Bo Nix, has some experience working in this scheme, and he's the only player on the team who can say that. Like literally, the only guy on the team who's played for Kenny Dillingham before is Bo Nix. Maybe there is a little bit more on his plate in terms of leadership, in terms of getting everybody, you know, pointed in the right direction. I still think the ceiling for this offense is really high. I'll also say. You look at the teams on the schedule that scare you, and to the point of Matt, in terms of you need a better quarterback play, you're going to need to put up points to beat Georgia. Like, okay. And it's going to be really difficult because they are, even though they lost a ton on defense, extremely talented, have an awesome scheme. Dan Lanning's gone, but Kirby Smart and Glenn Schumann have been there forever um, working on, on that defense. They've, they've elevated a couple other guys who've been head coaches before. I mean, th this yeah. is a really talented this is going to be that's a tough obstacle, and Oregon will need really good quarterback play there. BYU is another team where you're going to need good quarterback play. Um, Utah, obviously, you're going to need really good quarterback play. You go through the schedule. Washington defensively lost a lot of pieces, but you're going to need, you know, good quarterback play to win that game. Same thing against UCLA. So, like, yeah, no, I, I don't, I don't disagree. I think quarterback super important. Um, I think in general you need to see an improvement there, though, just because I don't know if it was. Even though, again, I started this by kind of making an, an offer of like, hey. Brown had a good season statistically, but I think everybody who's kind of followed this program would agree that it needs to be better. And when Oregon's at its best and contending for conference championships and going to Rose Bowls and winning Rose Bowls, who have they had at quarterbacks? You know, they've had Darren Thomas, they've had Marcus Mariota, and obviously most recently Justin Herbert. I don't think it's 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 obvious to say that they need better quarterback play from last year. Um, there were games where Anthony Brown played his best. You look at Ohio State in a game like that, um, really didn't make that many errors. Uh, with with Knicks, if he's the projected starter, or if he is the starter, he is the projected starter, I should say. Uh, I think he is an automatic upgrade. 
Um, I think he's significantly better than Anthony Brown off the bat. Um, you know, I have to remember that that Brown originally, when he transferred to Oregon, was coming off another major knee injury. Um, that was two in his career at Boston College. Um, I think his 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 potential when uh, before his knee injuries were was really high at BC. I remember watching him play; he was very good there. Um, I think it limited his mobility in that department. Um, I'm not saying that Nix is is a superior runner, but I think he's just as mobile, maybe not as big a body to get you like on a third and two. But I don't think Oregon's going to necessarily need to do that. Um, quarterback play will need to improve, but I don't think it's going to be all end all with this team. Um, defensively, Oregon wasn't wasn't as good as they should have been last year. I think that's putting it lightly. Um, granted, they had a bunch of injuries this year. We're we're not sure who's going to be ready to go game one, but theoretically, what it looks like is that a lot of those guys from injury should be returning. Uh, obviously, they lose Kayvon Thibodeau and Verone McKinley. But um, with Dan Lanning's defense, Hosh Lupoy's defense, I think they could figure out enough simulated pressures to kind of recreate a cave on Thibodeau. They also bring in multiple defensive lines, defensive lineman transfers, Casey Rogers, Jordan Riley, Sam Taimani out of Washington. Um, I think that's a really deep and experienced position. Um, their linebackers are really deep this time of year. We're not going to be relying on another safety converting into a linebacker this season. Um, Cornerback depth might be a little bit of an issue. We'll get to all of that in the future. But for quarterbacks, I feel okay because they have a good offensive line. Those are multiple-year starters. Alex Forsythe at the helm, Walk, all those guys. Um, to me, you guys know my opinion on running backs. You know, a, a good running back is only as good as their offensive line. It's as simple yeah. as that. With this offensive line and this running back group, who I agree with Eric, I think it's really, really talented. Um, I think that's a, a good way to get some pressure off the quarterback room, similar in years past with Tyler Shuck and Anthony Brown and Mario Cristobal. Um, I think quarterback will play will be improved. I think it needs to be improved, but I don't think it has to be elite for them to have a really good season. I think it just needs to be better. I mean, you look at how they performed last season with what we would call maybe mediocre to slightly above average quarterback play. Um, I don't think it's, really hard to think that Bo Nix can't provide something that's, or Ty Thompson or Jay Butterfield could provide something that's a better overall quarterback play than last season. It's a good point. It's a good point. It's going to do it for us here on the Autzen Audibles podcast. Thank you for listening to this quarterback edition. Make sure to tune in uh, tomorrow. We will have another podcast that will be discussing the running back room. And that's just the start of the show. All right, until then, you've been listening to the Austin Audible's podcast. Talk to you later, folks. Peace. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The chilling new original docuseries on Paramount+. Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean in a woman named Sylvie. She's a can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and $15,000 a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control-Alt-Desire, now streaming on Paramount+. Plus.